I'm Pastor Megan. I'm one of the pastors here. It looks like a little bit like the ladies' morning, but uh, we just kind of gave the guys the week off, I guess. Um, I am really glad that Rachel and I are getting to lead out in this celebration of uh, how much God is doing here. We are um, really blown away by recognizing that God is in a season of healing in our church. I, I don't know how many people we expected to come give their stories, but it wasn't 22. And, um, and so we are going to be rolling out those stories over the weeks to come. If you missed the blog this week, we send out a blog every week on Saturday. Go and listen to another one of the stories in healing. We just felt like you needed to hear stories in their entirety. And so we're going to be continuing to bring you these marvelous, joyful stories of healing. And if you are not currently in a season of needing healing, you can hear those stories and just be totally joyous with us. If you've had a story of healing yourself, it's easy to celebrate. But I just want to acknowledge this morning that if you are still waiting for healing, it can be hard. It can be hard to keep hearing these stories of healing. And this week we are looking at the story of a man who was still waiting for his healing. Um, this sermon and last sermon kind of go together. It's the, it's the second part of last week's story. We left this man named Jairus who had a daughter who was at death's door. We left him waiting with Jesus to go and heal his daughter. He had come to Jesus and was probably really relieved to find that Jesus was willing to leave the crowd and go to his house and lay hands on his daughter. Jairus's request was that Jesus would lay hands on his daughter that she might be well and live. And then they got interrupted, interrupted by this woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years. They waited, I don't know how long, but it was long enough for Jesus to hear out the whole truth of her story. And in the meantime, Jairus is going to get some really bad news for what happened while, they, while he waited. While he waited to hear this woman out. But I think um, that what we'll find is that Jairus really needed the testimony of immediate healing from this woman. He really needed to be an eyewitness to Jesus' healing in order to endure what was coming next for him. So I'm just going to launch right in this morning back to Mark chapter 5 and finish out what happened with the rest of Jairus' story. In Mark chapter 5, I'm going to begin with verse 35. While he was still speaking, that's while Jesus was, was still speaking, while he was saying the words, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was saying those very words, it says that some came, there came from the ruler's house, from Jairus' house, some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. They laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. 
Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. To you pray with me. Jesus, would you speak again to us? Could we here in our own spirits do not fear, only believe, and arise? Could that come alive for us today? We ask in Jesus' name, amen. How would you feel if in your most heartbroken moment, I came to you and said, don't fear, just believe, only believe. I think it would feel a little trite. It would feel a little flippant. But I know that from the track record of Jesus, that Jesus is someone who is incredibly compassionate who when he speaks, his words have the ability simultaneously to expose us and to make us well. So I know that Jesus is not just throwing away words when he speaks to Jairus, do not fear, only believe. And so we're going to dig into those words of Jesus tonight and this morning and find out how it could be that these little phrases could speak love to us when we are heartbroken. Do not fear, only believe. So we're going to talk about what we're afraid of and what we believe. What do you fear and what do you believe? Larry and I moved um, last uh, two weeks ago now. It's been two weeks to Port Orchard. And we woke up in the middle of the night one night absolutely terrified hearing something that sounded like this. Can you play that for me, Paul? Is there a little... Anybody know what that is? Coyotes. Yes. Some of you are country people. This is good. So when you first hear them, they sound like babies wailing, right? It was so loud that it woke up both of us. That's saying something in my house, okay? So it wakes up both of us, and our first thought is it's Reed crying. Figure out pretty quickly it's not Reed crying. So Larry goes right back to sleep. Don't you love this? Somehow in me, it's like this like magic fear button had been pushed and I spend a solid hour running through not only coyotes, but all the other things that I'm afraid of. And it's just this crazy way that fear has in us to just feed on itself and drag us into places that we never intended to go. Am I right? It's just this human condition, right? So it is It's easy for us, I think, as human beings to get into the shoes of Jairus and go, I know what it's like to be afraid. I'm I'm more connected with fear than I'd like to be as a person. I'm I'm not just afraid of coyotes, although I'm I'm like, I'm going to name them and we're going to be friends. I've just decided. That's just how I'm going to operate. But I'm also, I'm terrified of any movie that has anything tense in it. We've learned to read the family guide to movies for my sake, not for Reed's. 
Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm afraid of deeper things too. I'm, um, I'm actually really afraid of losing Larry. It's one of my deepest fears. He lost his dad at a young age. So if Larry's even 15 minutes late coming home from somewhere, he's like, in my mind, he's like in a ditch and gone. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous how um, fear can take hold in my brain. You know, fear really is just a way of um, putting out in the future something that doesn't exist, right? But our brains do it subconsciously. It's just, um, it's this ridiculous human intuition to do this. I, I find that, I'm not a sociologist, but I think that instinctively, we all have a way of battling fear, we all have a, a, a natural way. Sometimes it's muted as we grow up. But we have this instinctive way to combat fear by getting close to a person. You see it with little kids that hide behind their parents' legs, right, when they're shy or afraid. Um, in a movie, you don't want to sit next to me because I will grip your knee when I'm terrified, right? I'm just reaching out for a person, right? I still call my mom when Larry's late. I just, just you know, jibber-jabber. It's, it's human instinct for us to reach out to a person. And I think that that's what happens when we come to Jairus and when he gets this news that is legitimately terrifying. Your daughter is dead. I think that when Jesus speaks to him, do not fear. He's not giving him a stop it, bootstrap, figure it out yourself kind of message. That's what we hear when we hear do not fear. But Jesus doesn't give us an instruction that we're incapable of fulfilling. I think that when he says do not fear, he's giving us an invitation to let Jesus be the person that we come to when we're afraid. And this is why. Over and over again in scriptures, we hear the command, do not fear. Do not be afraid. It's got to be the most common command of scripture. Do not be afraid. And very often, when that command is given, it's given from God or from the angel of the Lord. And it's followed up with a promise of God's presence. It's do not be afraid. I am with you. Do not be afraid. You found favor with God. Do not fear. God has a purpose in this. One of my favorite of those passages is from Isaiah um, 43. This is a passage where I received my call to ministry. And it starts, verse 1, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. When you walk through the waters, they will not pass over you. Fear not, for I am with you. I am the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. When Jesus speaks to Jairus in this moment and he says, do not fear, he's talking to a synagogue ruler. I'd like for you to notice in, in this little chunk of verses, 35 to 45, how infrequently he uses the name of Jairus. Instead, he reiterates over and over Jairus's title, the ruler of the synagogue, the ruler's house. When he got to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, I think Mark is emphasizing for us that Jairus is the guy who's supposed to know how to connect with God. He's the guy who is supposed to be leading his whole town in what it was to believe God. And in this moment, when he's saying to Jairus, do not fear, don't you think that the guy who's in charge of the synagogue who'd memorized the whole of the Torah, the, five, the first five books of the Bible, don't you think that he would know when he hears the words, do not fear? Mephobu, from the mouth of Jesus. 
He's hearing God speak. Do not fear. I am with you. Jairus, don't be afraid. God is with you. You are not alone. I am with you. Jesus had just spoken these words to his disciples when he came to them in the storm. Do not be afraid. It is I. When Jesus proclaims to us, do not fear, he's not telling you to stop it when you're afraid, when you're heartbroken. He's saying, I am here. You can reach out for me. Jesus, who loves you, is the one who is with you in the moment of heartbreak. You don't have to be alone when you are most afraid. If Jesus were leaving Jairus to his own devices, it would be cruel to say, do not fear, only believe. But he's not. He's telling Jairus, you've got the greatest superhero right next to you. I am with you. Do not fear, only believe. Only believe is, um, is a call not to a what, not to believe cer- a certain something, a certain um, dogmatic bullet point things about God. It is who to believe. Only believe me. Don't believe this group of some people who came from your house who said, not just that your daughter is dead, but don't bother the teacher anymore. Oh, no, no. I feel like Jesus would have given like a really holy, psh, excuse me. God, you will never hear from God, don't bother me anymore. Don't believe the message of hopelessness that says your circumstance is beyond the power of God. It's too late. Don't bother God anymore. When Jesus says only believe, It's a ignore the voices of hopelessness and only believe me. Let's talk about this word believe for a minute. Believe, um, when it shows up in English, is from a Greek word um, in the Bible that gets translated three different ways. It shows up believe, faith, and trust. Believe, faith, and trust are all the same word in the Greek. So you're going you're to track with me because you're going to like this. So when Jesus speaks to the woman when she was healed, daughter, your faith has made you well. It's the same word. So Jesus back to back is saying, there was this woman whose faith healed her. We talked about this last week, how her trust in Jesus, her trust that he was the only way to be saved, to be healed body and soul. When her trust in him met the power of God in the person of Jesus, she was made well in an instant. And so now Jesus is speaking to the ruler of the synagogue And by using that same word, he's hearkening back to her story and saying, hey, ruler of the synagogue, do you remember the woman that I just healed who hadn't been in synagogue for 12 years? Do you remember her act of faith, of trust, of belief, and how she reached out to me and she was saved, body and soul salvation? Now, ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Only trust me just as you just saw her trust me. 
I am the one with the power to save. Only believe me. Believe that if you come to me, I have the power to heal body and soul salvation. Believe that I have the power to overcome hopelessness. And that that power will come to life when it meets your belief, when it meets your trust. Jesus is not without hope. He has overheard them say, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. But what he says is, do not fear. I am with you. God is with you. Only believe. Only believe me. I went all nerdy on researching this phrase, only believe. That surprises you none if you know me. Um, But I'm going to be so bold as to quote a theological dictionary. And you're going to like this and you're going to want to follow me through this quote. Because this what I, what I read helped me understand why this phrase from Jesus is not trite. It's not, um, it's not uncompassionate. And so read, read this with me. The comfort of Jesus is the deed. The comfort of Jesus is the action, okay? The comfort of Jesus is the deed which he alone can perform and which alone comforts. For all comfort which leaves the power of death unbroken, is incomplete and unsatisfying. Hence, true comfort can, only, can be given only by him who is himself the resurrection and the life. I'll leave that up because it's really wordy. But here's what I want you to hear from that. If I were to come to you, Megan Hackman, and say, don't be afraid, only believe. When you've just gotten the most heartbreaking news of your life, it would be incomplete and unsatisfying. Because I have no power to undo the bad news that you just got. But when Jesus speaks the words, do not fear, only believe, it's not trite and it's not a Passover. It is completely in keeping with the compassionate character of God because he has the power to undo death, to not leave death unbroken. And therefore, when Jesus speaks these words, they can be complete and satisfying because Jesus is going to back it up. When I speak it, too often as a pastor, people have been left with IVs in and I've had to bury people my age. It It is incomplete and unsatisfying in the worst degree So the only comfort that I can give is that I believe in a comforter who has the power to unbreak death. He's going to do it in this moment. He's going to go to Jairus' daughter and to raise her up as a way of showing us that he has the resurrection power that will come once and for all. Jesus' words, do not fear, only believe, is not a do-it-yourself pick up from your bootstraps, just be less afraid, message of fear and loss. We need Jesus, the power of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus to speak to our spirit and say, do not be afraid. His perfect love, 1 John four eighteen, drives out all fear. We need the spirit of Jesus to be present with us, to walk with us as we walk down the road back to the house and have to see face to face our greatest fear. 
We need the spirit of Jesus, the power of Jesus to give us the promise that he will undo death once and for all. Jesus knows death is our greatest fear. He knows that the grief of death is actually the worst thing that could happen to us. And here's how I know this. Because for all the many times Jesus encountered death while he was walking around, there were at least three times where while he knew that 100% of the time, death is going to be the end of our story. Three times when Jesus encountered death, he went, not today. (laughs) Not today. Not this one. Not today. One of the times was when he saw a widow who'd lost her only son, a boy. He was being carried on a funeral pyre coming out of the city. And he had compassion on her and he raised her back to life. Another one of the times was when his, his friend Lazarus died. He'd known that Lazarus was sick. He waited three more days came on the fourth day and Lazarus's sister Martha comes out to Jesus and gives him an earful in her grief about how if Jesus had just shown up earlier, her brother would not have died. And Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Again, another one of those trite phrases that if anybody, any of us were to say it sounds so callous, right? Your brother will rise again. Martha responds, I think rather pitifully, And says, well, yeah, I know, Jesus, that he is going to be raised up in the last day. And Jesus' response to her is, it's not my response. When it comes from Jesus, it's not blah, 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 I heard you, it's coming. When, When Jesus speaks, it has incredible power. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me will not perish, but will have everlasting life. When Jesus speaks these words, they're not trite because he follows them up with power. I don't know if he intended to raise Lazarus from the dead that day, but when he gets to the gravesite and sees everybody weeping, he says, not today. And he calls Lazarus out and he raises him back to new life. Jesus can speak these words to us because he, has, he backs them up with the power, with resurrection power. And he raised Lazarus so that we, 2,000 years later, might be able to look back on that story and be able to confess what Martha confesses. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever lives and believes in me will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Do you believe this? And Martha replies and says, I believe this. I believe that you are the son of God. You are the Christ who has come into the world. And Jesus longs for us to know that he has the resurrection power, that we might also confess you are the Christ, the son of God who has come into the world. Some of us um, have a really happy, um, happy life. You're rocking your bucket list. You're doing all the things. You're really enjoying your life. Some of us are not in that boat, chronically suffering, have, have people that we've lost that doesn't make sense. And to both of us, I think Jesus says this life is beautiful and it matters. Our life is just the first few years on an eternal timeline. 
You don't have just decades of your life left. You have an eternity of your life ahead of you. And how you begin that eternal life matters. Your life has incredible purpose. And even unfairly short lives full of suffering have deep purpose to Jesus. And I know this because Jesus God himself entered into these stories. Like I said last week, he limited himself by time. He lived himself a life of suffering that was unfairly short. That life had incredible purpose and meaning. If suffering itself did not have meaning, then Jesus would not have suffered. But he didn't bypass suffering. It has incredible purpose. And when he died, Jesus' life did not end in death. He was raised again in order to show us what was coming for us in that, in the next steps in that, in that timeline of our lives. And I'll dare say that his resurrected life looks a lot like probably some of the things on your bucket list. He went fishing with his friends. He had breakfast on a beach. I would love to do that in Kauai one day. If I don't do it on this side of heaven, maybe on the, on the other side, right? He went walking miles and miles with his friends and told all kinds of stories. I think Jesus wanted to know that we're in on that. We are in on the resurrected life. And so when he brings, when he brings the words, do not fear, only believe, he invites our fear to give way to faith. Fear is a construct in our mind where we create really true realities, right? When Larry's 15 minutes late, there's a real reality in my mind where he's in a ditch. Faith operates in a lot of the same ways. Faith is looking forward with certainty to the things that we cannot see, to the things that we cannot know. I know I'm asking a lot of you. I'm asking a lot of you who are suffering, a lot of you who are waiting. You're the gyrus waiting for your story of healing while you're watching, it seems like everyone around you be healed. And so how do we wait well? Last week, I encouraged you to read Hebrews 11 devotionally. I did that myself. And um, I love Hebrews eleven thirteen. It pauses in this middle, the middle of this hall of faith of all these people who are living a faithful life and uh, looking forward to things that they don't see. And it says this, I'm reading from the message. It says, each one of these people of faith, each one of these people of faith, of trust, of belief, They lived sure of what they hoped for. I'm sorry, each one of these people of faith died not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing. How did they do it? They saw it way off in the distance, and they waved their greeting and accepted the fact that they were transients in the world. People who live this way make it plain that they are looking for a true home. Now, this is a hard message to preach because I I much prefer the message of come, everyone, come down to Jesus and be healed and you will walk away today. I believe that Jesus has the power to do that. His resurrection power is at work in the world. And sometimes we get to see the glimpses of those miracles because he's going to meet us in those moments. He also says that the resurrection is coming. And to many of us today, especially those who have grieved already. They have lost already. 
and you're clinging into, you're sitting still in a story of grief. How do you live while you wait? And I think this message from Hebrews 11 is true, is to look off into the distance, to see the promise of the resurrection, see that person that you love fully restored, see the person with addiction totally free, see the child walking, and greet the future, knowing that that is real. Jesus can back up. He has backed up his words, do not fear, only believe. He's done it with resurrection power before, and he's going to do it once and for all. What I want more for you more than anything today is to believe that God really has resurrection power, that he really has the superhero power to meet you in your fear and to walk with you down the road as you go to face head on that which you're most afraid of. And when he gets there, he has the power to speak, arise, to all that we have lost or that we are afraid of losing. The picture that Jesus wants to leave you with is that he is the God who walks with you, who speaks to the dead daughter, arise, and she wakes up and is restored to her family. That is the power that we are waiting for. And it's the power that we believe is available today, which is why we keep praying for miracles. Because we believe that God wants to keep giving us glimpses of this forever resurrection power that is coming for us until the day when all of us will rise again to new life. Don't fear. Do not fear. Only believe. Out of the mouth of Jesus, that is not trite. It is a tremendous promise of presence end of resurrection that can move us through our heartbreak. So we're going to have a time of prayer. I'm going to ask Catherine to come out and, um, and play for us so that we can, we can minimize the distractions and hear from God as we ask him to meet us in our fear and to give us the belief and the trust and the faith for the life to come. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we confess before you that we are a people of fear. It is really easy for us to spiral down in fear. It is really easy for us to listen to the voices of hopelessness around us. Those realities seem really true to us. Jesus, we confess that it is really easy for us to be stuck in grief. To not see that there's a, a new story that you're writing. That there might even be gifts in the grief. Jesus, that is not easy for us. And so we need your, your spirit to speak to our fear, to cast out fear. Jesus, we need your spirit to speak to our spirit, to say, I am with you. Jesus, in the silence, would you speak? I am the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I am with you.
Jesus, it is, um, it's hard for us to hear the message only believe. That sounds like a just fix it message. And so would you speak to us only believe me? Would you speak to us of your compassion? Would you show us that we can trust you? Could we hear in the stories of the woman and the widow and Lazarus of Jeanette? Jesus, could we hear that you are trustworthy? Jesus, I pray for those whose trust with you has been broken. Jesus, would you speak the reality of your ability to follow through with the power of resurrection? In the silence, Jesus, I ask that you would give people pictures of the resurrection to come, of full restoration. Would you show them those that they've lost restored, their greatest fears turned to hope? Jesus, would you restore within us the joy of your miracles, even as we wait? Could we rejoice with others? Lord, for those um, who are already rejoicing, Lord, could we mourn with those who are waiting? Would you unify us, Lord, as one congregation? who sees your miracles and still waits for more. I pray in Jesus' name.